Nine TCU players were invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll talk about who can help their stock the most next on Locked on Horned Frogs. You are Locked on Horned Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horned Frogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is Locked On Horn Frogs uh, your daily TC podcast? I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Please subscribe on YouTube. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast. Um, so, TCU uh, has a lot of players going through the draft process right now, and nine players got invited to the NFL Scouting Combine, which is exciting. That list um, offensive lineman <clears throat> Alan Ali, uh, Steve Avila, wide receiver Darius Davis, quarterback Max Duggan, cornerback Travis Hodges Tomlinson, defensive end Dylan Horton, wide receiver Quentin Johnston running back Kendra Miller, and linebacker D. Winters. Um, so as far as guys that could really help themselves, you know, Steve Avila really helped himself at the Senior Bowl. He had a great Senior Bowl, was really good in practice, did a great job in the game, um, and he's suddenly become someone that you start to see sort of at the start of round two, you know, one of those interior offensive linemen that could go in the second round, um, maybe – early in the second round even, as he sort of shot up draft boards. He was an All-American last year, great player, has some position flexibility because he played center and guard in college, even though he did a really good job of that guard spot this year. So I'd imagine that's where he'll stay in the NFL. Um, but you always need great offensive linemen in the NFL. You, you have to have guys, especially on that interior offensive line, that can move around a little bit because of the roster limitations. So I think Steve's in really good shape. I'm not really sure how much he'll help or hurt himself at the combine uh quentin johnson kind of in the same boat i mean i think quentin can help himself certainly by running a good 40 time which i imagine he will he's super athletic he can jump out of the you know gym or figuratively um and so i think he'll do well in all the athletic testing we'll see kind of how much he goes through it seems like him and, and jordan adson or one two at the wide receiver position kind of depends on you know what draft scout what draft Nick is sort of looking at it, which one is one and which one is two. But I've seen Quentin mock to the Ravens a lot at 22, which would make some sense. They need help at wide receiver. They're still figuring out that quarterback spot with Lamar Jackson, obviously, if they're going to sign him to an extension or not. Um, but, I mean, Quentin's a guy that I feel like is only going to do well at the athletic testing part of it. You know, the thing with him is the tape was inconsistent at times. So I feel like that's going to be the question – that he has to answer, and you're really not going to answer that at the combine. You're just going to see those physical gifts on display, which is what scouts have been, um, you know, enamored with 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 him for a long time, and rightly so, because you see the potential that's there at his size and his ability to move so well and get yards after the catch. Um, even though he's a bigger player that can also go up and get 50-50 balls, which is more typically more of what you see. <clears throat> with guys with his types of body type. But those two players are really like, I think they're pretty set where they are, and I don't see a ton of movement either way based on what they do at the combine. As far as guys that can really help themselves, um, you know, Steven Johnson said this. He writes for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He mentioned Darius Davis, which I get his point. I think Darius could run a, a blazing 40 time, um, and maybe that intrigues some people, piques some interest. I really think with Darius, the question is he can be a he can be a contributor on special teams. I think that's a given. You know, he can maybe do what Kevontae Turpin's doing for the Cowboys right now. 
as a kick returner and punt returner. It's is there a way that you can get him involved offensively? Because you know, TCU did a nice job, I think, especially early in the season of finding ways to manufacture touches for him. Um, but they, they sort of got away from that as the year went on. And, and I don't know what all the reasons for that were, um, but he wasn't a huge factor in the passing game. Now, it was the national championship game. He had over 100 yards, which was exciting. He was one of the few bright spots in that title game. Um, but I, I think, you know, the question for Darius is, can he be more than just a kick returner, a punt returner? Um, could he be somebody that you can come in and, and catch the ball and get some yards after the catch? Because in the NFL, I mean, as much as as much as it sounds like a great idea, like people with the Cowboys this year talked all the time about, oh, they got to find a way to get Turpin more touches. You're just not going to manufacture a lot of touches for players like that that are not already contributing to the offense. So we'll see what Darius does. But I, I agree with with Stephen's assessment that you know he could run an outstanding forty time at the combine that maybe piques some interest. For some teams, but I think it's ultimately going to come down to um, can he catch the ball? Does he look smooth running routes? Does he look like he, he knows what he's doing out there from that aspect of the game? Because that's the, the big question mark that people are going to have about him. Um, Kendra Miller and Dylan Horton, I think, will put up some impressive, you know, testing numbers. Um, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk about his height. Uh, apparently, he didn't get invited to the senior bowl because he's 5'7, which was really silly to me because it's like, okay. Yeah, the, the size limitations are there. It's probably going to keep him from being, you know, a day one pick. But at the same time, he's a Thorpe Award winner. He played a ton of man coverage at a high level of football and did it extremely well. I'm just surprised that coaches and scouts didn't at least want to see him sort of go through the, you know, the reps and go through practice with some of the better prospects there. He did go to the Shrine Bowl. Uh, but I think Trey, he should have put up some good testing numbers, but it's really that that size that's going to give him uh, – people are going to doubt him because of that. He's going to have to prove folks wrong once again, which is what he did, you know, coming out of high school when he got to TCU. Um, and then D. Winters is another guy who's super athletic. So I think there is some good opportunity here um, for these guys that are going to the combine. You know, it's, uh, it's intriguing. I, I've said this before. It's been a little while since TCU's had a player drafted – that's gone on to have, you know, a nice couple seasons right out the gate. So um, for the sake of their reputation within NFL circles, it'd be great if Quentin Johnson had an outstanding rookie year. Um, the other the other player here is Max, and uh, I'll be interested to see what Max does. Quarterbacks are, are typically pretty choosy about what they do at the combine. Not everybody throws. Um, he had, a, I think he overall had a good senior bowl, did well in the practices, the games, he was game. He was kind of erratic, but you know, it, Max is a guy that, that doesn't always wow people on the practice field, but obviously does a great job in those game situations. He's super athletic. I don't know. I think it might benefit him to run the 40 just to show some of the athleticism, um, but some good opportunities and nine players head to the combine. That's good news for TCU football. And speaking of the NFL, the official betting partner of the NFL is FanDuel, and we're super excited that they've joined us here on the Lockdown Network because they're the number one sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers you can get up to $150 in free bets with just a $5 bet. Again, $5 bet gets you $150 in free bets guaranteed. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. 
Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger uh, chance at a payout with the same game parlay, all in an app that's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. So don't miss out. Again, $5 bet gets you $150 in free bets, win or lose. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. They're the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. So yesterday I talked about uh, SMU and the Pac-12 in that potential relationship as George Kalaikoff, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, visited SMU on Wednesday. And I threw this out there, you know, during the show. I said, would, would this change your mind? If SMU becomes a Power 5 team, does that change your mind on the Iron Skillet rivalry? If you're someone who's against it, do you want to see it keep going? If SMU elevates their status a little bit, um, and then if you want to check out Locked On Big 12 today, I believe Josh Neighbors will be posting it later. We had a roundtable discussion about the Pac-12 and their expansion plans and how it relates to the Big 12. But a couple of people commented on YouTube, and I'll share some of those thoughts. Tommy Fisher said, I think if they're also a Power 5 team, we should keep the game because they'll be on a neutral playing field and a loss against another Power 5 team would not hurt as bad. As far as them being the only Power 5 team on the schedule, absolutely not. With UT and OU leaving, we need to set up series against some of the better Power 5 teams to boost our perceived strength of schedule. Yeah, so, I mean, I I agree with you, Tommy. I think you keep it going if they get in the Pac-12. And um, I don't think they're going to make SMU their only Power 5 opponent in non-conference if that situation materialized. It was just a thought in my head because – the the TCU schedule has been so consistent for a long time now as far as their plan in non-conference. Power 5 opponent, FCS team, and then that game against SMU, they're home or away. So does that dynamic change? Uh, but, yeah, you make an interesting point about OU and Texas leaving, and do you set up some more marquee non-conference matchups if the Big 12 sort of takes a hit from a strength of schedule standpoint? You say, okay, let's go play a Wisconsin or, you know, an Arkansas, Alabama, whoever it might be to try to balance that out a little bit. Um, with the 12-team playoff, you can afford a loss, right? You, you don't have to necessarily win all those games. You, even if you can just stay competitive, it can be sort of a nice feather in the cap as your season develops if you can find a way to stack up wins in conference play. Um, Craig5477 says, TC needs to schedule the best teams possible. Scheduling weak schools hurts rankings, and weak rankings affects ability to pull in the top-ranked talent. Want to move up with the big boys, play big boys. Yeah, it's a valid point. I mean, you know, you see Alabama every year. They play a tough non-conference opponent. You know, Texas is taking that taking that swing the last few years. They're going to Tuscaloosa this season. Um, we usually see, like, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game is a big deal. Georgia played Oregon to open the season. Oregon, I think, was much better towards the end of the year, but it was still a marquee matchup at the time. And, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to be one of those teams – that is at the top, then you have to play the best competition, and maybe that does help you in recruiting if you can find a way to win some of those games. Uh, Vincent says, nope, the rivalry between the two teams is uniquely regional and generational. Most of the kids grew up knowing and playing against each other. It's a different kind of rivalry. I don't think it matters if they suddenly become a Power 5 school. It will take some time before they get some Power 5 street cred. There's always a chance SMU beats TCU. Pure hate can overcome that. Um, He recommends CCU keeps it until they beat SMU 12 years straight, and then you stop the rivalry. Uh, yeah, I mean, that it's always a tricky game because of the emotions. I think you're right, Vincent. As much as TCU has dominated it over the past few decades, um, you do have those times where SMU has, you know, some more talent than they typically would, or they just win because, as you said, they just have 
They have it out for the Frogs. They want to win that game. That's a game they circle every year. And then Jack Daddy Slim says, if, and that's a very big if, SMU joins the Pac-12. Yes, it would change how I looked at it, but maybe not for the better. Okay, well, that's intriguing. And, um, you know, the Pac-12, I I think part of this too is what does the Pac-12 look like? Uh, Even if they add SMU, are they able to hold on to Oregon and Washington? Are Are they able to kind of keep up that Power 5 mantle? Because that is a huge factor here. Um, I think this is a good opportunity, and we talked about this on Locked On Big 12, but I feel like this is a good opportunity for the Big 12 and Brett Yormark to be aggressive right now and to go after um, some of these you know, teams that could be available, especially those four corner schools, the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado. You know, the Pac-12 at the moment is still negotiating a TV deal. It looks like they're going to go heavy with streaming on Amazon Prime. And even though, yeah, streaming's the future and there's something to be said about being on those nonlinear platforms, people still watch a lot of cable TV. And I think especially for sports, that's still the way that most people digest this. And so if you're going to be exclusively on Amazon Prime, then everybody has to have Amazon Prime. Are you going to get as many casual viewers? Because I think one thing about ESPN Plus it's certainly accessible, and Big 12 basketball has a number of games there. But ultimately, like you're you're probably just going to get mainly the fans of those teams watching. There's less of a chance of somebody who's flipping through the channels because you're not doing that on a streaming service necessarily, stopping down and saying, oh, okay, I'll, I'll watch this game. Um, you have to you know, go in the app, find it, all these things. And so if you don't have a major reason to go watch it, I think it makes it tougher – to you know sell the casual fan or someone who's not emotionally invested in the game itself in tuning in so this would be a good time i feel like for the big 12 to start to at least plant those seeds on hay you know we're, we're being aggressive here we're united this is a group that is fighting for each other right now come join the league we'll see how that plays out though when we come back we'll uh discuss what we're talking about tomorrow and into next week this is lockdown horn frogs all right, final segment here. Um, so we'll have a preview of that Baylor game on Saturday on Friday's show. Hopefully. Hopefully Mike Miles is back. We'll see. Don't have anything official yet. I know that was kind of like the unofficial target date they were looking for. But hopefully Mike Miles is back. Baylor's playing pretty well. They're coming off a win against Oklahoma. Jonathan Chama Chachua, one of their big men on the inside, is back after a gruesome injury um, last season. And so he's made a difference. TCU was able to steal that game in Waco. So significant there. Didn't want to pass along this information. So I know not everybody is like locked into all the non-revenue sports, uh, but TCU's men's tennis team is really good. They're currently ranked number three in the nation. And uh, on Wednesday, they went down to Waco to take on Baylor. Baylor's number 10 in the nation. And they won that matchup four to one. They won that doubles point, and then they won three of the singles matchups um, to take a four to one victory. Had the lead in two others, so maybe could have you know run it up a little bit, but they got the victory. And so pay attention to TCU men's tennis. They're eight and zero right now. They're about to go play in the ITA indoor national championships, which is the event they won last year, won national championship on the indoor courts. So they'll try to defend that title here soon, and then. Um, you know, they'll go on through the rest of the spring playing outdoor tennis, but really good team, good team to watch. Uh, just a note, maybe follow them on Twitter or something, but um, they're playing really well and they're coming off a nice win against Baylor. I think that's the third top 15 ranked team that they have beaten this year. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. Again, it's your team every